Hello, it's Gizcon, 6 o'clock on a Friday night, and you're listening to Indie Live Radio. This is the locker room, number one for sport. Uh, we're on between now, 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock, uh, to start your weekend. And it's Michael and Matthew. How's it going, Matthew? How's your week been? Dark, it's been all right. We're, we're slowly but surely gearing up to probably the flattest uh, Glasgow Derby and the history of Glasgow Derbies this weekend. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's no much of a build up. No, I mean, it's a shame because, but having said that, you know, I think we all kind of thought maybe last weekend the Scottish Cup games were going to be flat and, uh, you know, they turned out to be probably the most, one of the most interesting weekends of the season. So, you know, maybe there's hope left that this game, even though no one's really that bothered about Celtic Rangers and obviously there's no fans going. So that makes it doubly. Probably not as important as it normally would have been, but uh, you never know. We could get a shot, but the build up to it has been as flat as a pancake. Yeah, that's been. Yeah, it's been. Um, yeah, it's been an anxious, an anxious build up to to that one. Let's um, obviously we'll, we'll speak about the games at the weekend and stuff. But um, yeah, last weekend in the Scottish Cup was interesting, Matthew. All the games went to penalties bar, I think, bar one game. I mean, I've watched a couple of these games, um, and like you said, you know, last weekend, or what, when we were on the show, I was... Oh, I think Matthew's having some technical issues there, so we'll come back to, to Matthew. <laughs> but I, I, I think he was going to say... It was interesting last week. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was an amazing weekend. And I, you know, I, like I said, I made the mistake, hands up. I thought, here we go, this is going to be another boring Scottish Cup weekend. Nothing's going to happen. You know, the favourites will go through. And so, and, you know, it started off really interesting the Easter week. Uh, we had, you know, four goals. We went to penalties. Um, and, yeah, you know, Hibs went through in the end. But... That was that started off the weekend brilliantly. Then you know we, we had Pataudry, where you know again Aberdeen new manager new, building up to maybe a new season next season, a new hope for Aberdeen. And Dungeon United go in there and wipe the floor with them three 0 in Pataudry. So you're thinking, what is going on here with the Scottish Cup? Then we go to Ibrox and think, surely this will be the game that will you know level things out and we'll go back to some sort of normality. And when Rangers take the lead in extra time, you're thinking, oh well, that's it. Normal business is resumed. And then here a goalkeeper scores the equaliser <laughs> out of nowhere, and you're thinking, what has happened here? It goes to penalties, and St Johnson knock out Rangers um, for the shock of the Scottish Cup, to be perfectly honest. And then, you know, how can it get any better? You know, we go down to Rugby Park, that finishes 3 3 down at Rugby Park, and St Mirren go through in penalties. Um, so, like you say, three games go to penalties. One was a 3 0 hammering at Pataudry. It was probably, yeah, they, it was probably one of the greatest quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup I can remember for a long time. And maybe, just maybe, you know, the Scottish authorities have sort of fallen upon a format of the Scottish Cup because we've had, eight, we've had you know, a few fixtures back-to-back near enough. Um, we've had no replays whatsoever. Everything's down to the 90 minutes. It's a good level of... And because it is down to the 90 minutes, you know, I think we've seen teams that maybe aren't fair, but it's coming out and just thinking, well, we've got nothing to lose here. We've got no replays to gain. We'll just go for it and make a make a fight of it. And I would say, you know, apart from the game at Easter Road, I would say um, the team who were less favoured went through. Um, you know, Dundee United, St. Johnson definitely, and St. Mirren were probably the teams expected to go out. So, yeah, apart from Easter Road, we had um, three non-favoured sides going through. Maybe next year we could maybe think maybe the Scottish Cup should be, you know, in this format, near enough back-to-back, no replays, because I tell you what, considering the Premiership season we've had, the Scottish Cup and the League Cup, to some degree, have just lit up the calendar. Yeah, I mean, who, who says Scottish football's dire, Matthew? Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think such a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No point in any elbows on this show. Well, uh, I, and you know what? The, the, the games, I mean, even looking looking at the fixtures when they came out for the semi-finals on the 8th and 9th of May, you know, St Mirren, St Johnson, that game could go either way. And, uh, you know, if St Johnson managed to get through to the final and, you know, maybe even win it, does that mean that Callum Davidson's manager of the year? 
Mm. Yeah, well, we could be in for a good shout of it, but I think that if they got to the final and still get beat, I think he still would be the manager of the year. Well, considering what St Johnson have won two trophies in their whole history, yep, he's won obviously one of them this year. He's on course to maybe win a second or get to a final at least in this one. And he was actually, was he not the assistant manager when they won the Scottish Cup? Yeah, to Tommy Wright, yeah. Yeah, so he is, like you say, you know, on course to win manager of the year, I would say, because considering St. Johnson's budget is probably one of the lowest in the league, if he Mm -hmm. can get to, like you say, a a winner's medal and a final or, you know, two um, trophies this year, that would be unbelievable. And then, you know, the other game again, you know, Hibs are probably favourites. I think Hibs will probably have too much for Dungeon United. But again, you just don't know the way the Scottish Cup's gone this year. But um, Dungeon United Hibs looks on course to be an absolute cracker. But, you know, when you look at Hibs and you think about Dodge, you think about Nesbitt, you think about Boyle as a sort of front attacking three that Hibernian have, they probably will have too much. But that game just looks like an outstanding prospect on the Saturday and then Sunday, you know, the, same, the Battle of the Saints. Um, <laughs> on, the, on the Sunday, it's going to be a very a, a cracking, cracking Scottish Cup weekend in the main for me leading up to the final. Yeah, um, what about um, obviously we'll speak about that um, next week on, on the show, but like there was big news coming out this week, Matthew, about um, you know, some um, football clubs maybe down down south taking uh, boycotting uh, social media, but. Um, Scottish football and rugby clubs have joined um, forces to um, to to boycott social media platforms in an effort to um, combat online abuse and discrimination. That the temporary move will be um, will be taken into place between the thirtieth of April to the third of May. Um, so. I don't know what you think about that, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it was important. Rangers, obviously, a couple of weeks ago, was it a couple of weekends ago? Was it last weekend? My head's the COVID's absolutely. No, I think it's been like, yeah, you might be right, but I, it's, <clears throat> I, I don't know, but it's been a few weekends ago, anyway. Yeah, so Rangers were going to do it, and, and this was the thing. I mean, like I said, I don't condone, obviously, or I, I feel sorry for any death in any family, but, you know, the Prince Philip thing just showed up the hypocrisy of the whole thing, considering some of the comments he'd made. Rangers did say they were going to boycott social media, and as soon as he passed away, you know, Rangers were commenting on it. And I, I just think that that kind of showed the hypocrisy of Rangers a, a little bit. And again, this week, I didn't want to really talk about this, but obviously, this is a big story. Um, you know, the Rangers St. Johnson game, while that was a cracker, that was marred because when St. Johnson's goalkeeper equalised, we had a moment where I think it was a St. Johnson photographer, possibly, or, or guy who was working the video, was celebrating the equaliser, as you do. And, you know, again, somebody at Rangers heard to say, you know, Fenian, blah, blah, blah. Mm, never heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's on social media, it's on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, like I said last week, I think it's important that Scottish football clubs and rugby clubs, I think you, you brought up there, um, are involved mm. in the boycott. I think there's abuse, obviously, that's important in person that needs to be stopped. I think there's abuse that happens in keyboards or behind keyboards and social media that needs to be stopped. And I think that's why the social media is important. But going again, what happened at Ibrox the other day and the ease of which something like that was just said as if it was nothing, I think it's important that, you know, not only do they highlight, and we said this on the show when this happened to Rangers mm-hmm. last time, not only is it important that, you know, racial attacks and horrendous personal abuse, you know, are, um, came out and, and slated and not tolerated across the board. Again, you know, something has happened at Ibrox where a sectarian slur has been used. And, you know, we don't hear that. Rightly so, Rangers were aghast at the racist abuse that was suffered in the Europa League. But again, there's just silence when any sort of sectarian attack or abuse is made um, from that club. So I, I think it's time, you know, yeah, we all stand together. Yeah, we defeat negativity and racism and any sort of personal abuse. But again, in Scottish football, something sectarian has come out at Ibrox and it's been swept under the carpet by them. I mean, you, you said you hadn't heard it. It's obviously been swept under the carpet by Scottish media. 
this mm. has got to be stopped one way or another because it mm. goes hand in hand because sectarianism is kind of tied in with racism in the sense that it's very anti-Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it's all a circle of sectarianism and racism. And you can't say stamp out racism on one hand um, and still allow the sectarianism to keep going because it's just a cycle. So if you're if you're willing to come out and you're willing to do the social media stuff, uh, social media boycott for racism, colour racism, that's fine. Support 110%. The whole thing's got to be stamped out and, you know, uh, there's supporters from and players from diverse backgrounds and it needs to be stamped out. But, you know, again, sectarianism, we have Irish players in the league, we have Catholic players in the league, we have supporters who are Catholic, Irish or, and or, um, and this just cannot be allowed to continue because sadly, sadly, I think, um, like you said, sadly, the sectarian stuff has been sweeped under the carpet. Um, now, Edinburgh and Glasgow are following suit. They don't have the same sectarian problem and they're working towards, you know, trying to stamp out racism from their game. But unless Rangers in particular sits, um, stamp out the sectarian element of this, the whole thing is useless and pointless. Now, um, I, I don't want to go over kind of like old ground what we were talking about a few weeks ago, Matthew, but I was saying about um, UEFA and all that, you know, before the Champions League games, they play a video about respect and obviously that's a, that's a bit of a joke now because UEFA is not doing anything. But I think like if, um, if we're still talking about this, in this kind of game eggs that the people that I would blame would be maybe the SFA to a certain extent, but also UEFA. UEFA could get sorted this like years ago, Matthew. I mean, do you know what I mean? I don't get me wrong, I condemn everything UEFA does, you know. Because like I said on the show last time, UEFA are quite happy and are very fast to come down if there's some irregularity or you know, look at the speed in which they came down on the, the clubs with the super the super, super league. Like, Look at the speed of which UEFA came down on them. You know, it was as quick as you like. They didn't even think about it. They reacted and they came down on the clubs with their big heavy foot. Look at how they react to racism. On the other hand, you know, they drag their heels. Um, then they finally bring out some token gesture, uh, whether it's, a, you know, saying something tokenistic, like what you said, adverts and stuff like that, that mean nothing without the, you know, without the punishment beside it. But, they, they, but do you know what? The one thing I will say about UEFA is, at least they bring out something tokenistic. The SFA and the SPFL don't even bother doing something tokenistic. Mm. They just sweep it ever all under the carpet. Nothing to see yeah. you guys. There's no sectarianism, blah, blah, blah. At least, at least you ever pretend to try. Well, I mean, it goes to show you, Matthew, that uh, money is more important. You know, as, the, as they're talking about the, the Super League and all that, you know, but obviously that's a, uh, that's a different conversation, but you know, I guess he was all that, you know, sometimes it annoys me how, you know, society and all that is not kind of moving forward. And when we speak about Catholic, Protestants, um, black people, Black Lives Matter and all the rest of it, it it's not. It's taken us back. It's taken us back to like 50 years ago or, or maybe more. Yeah, I mean... I- if you th- I mean, if it's, it's funny because obviously we mentioned the rugby and Edinburgh and Glasgow are taking part in this as well. If you look at the difference between Edinburgh and Glasgow, there's hardly any sectarian element to the rugby. No. There's hardly any racism really to the rugby. I mean, to be fair, I think, while it, I don't want to say it's not there because players may be suffering it or whatever, or fans maybe hear it off the cuff, but I think as, as a general, rugby tends to avoid this. Now, you brought up the money situation, and that's quite important because I think it comes down to Scottish football is quite I don't want to well it's an, I don't know how quite to say this without sounding very negative on the clubs involved but if you if you're Celtic for example and you make a lot of money because you have a lot of Irish element to it so you have an Irish history you have the Irish diaspora and you have the current Irish fan base and you're quite happy you don't want to get rid of the Irishness of Celtic really because if you get rid of the Irish element, element of Celtic, which, to be honest, see in every other culture, mm-hmm. everybody in any other culture in the world, you can celebrate Irishness. Irishness is something that should mm-hmm. be celebrated if you have Irish descent, right? I have Irish descent. I celebrate my Irish culture and stuff like that because it's it's 
it's a cultural thing, it's a enjoying thing, and it brings Irishness to the world in a positive way. And Celtic tends to do that on the whole. You know, there are negative elements to this, but it's a very small element to it. But Celtic celebrate its Irishness, they, and they create money because they celebrate the Irishness. It's a win-win situation. Now, with Rangers, they've came out and criticised racism, um, and they were right to do that 110%. Uh, a player suffered horrendous racism, players have suffered horrendous racism online, and they're reacting to that the way any club should. And, you know, they, they're to be commended for that, don't get me wrong. But Rangers also make a lot of money out of the Northern Irish Unionist element. They also make a lot of money out of that sort of orange logy sort of element to them. Um, now, our Rangers not get stamping down on sectarianism because mm. they know they make a lot of money out of that side of things. Mm. Interesting point and an interesting question. I think that maybe Rangers ultimately have to answer themselves because, um, to me, it seems like they don't want to stamp down on that because g g they have a whole. Mm. No, I was just going to say, Matthew, on that point, the Rangers not come out a few months ago and um, Scott, um, now I can't remember the name, maybe you can or, or whoever else, but I'm sure they come out with a big initiative about um, racism in football or racism towards Rangers or, you know, whatever. Do you remember that? I think it was like, um, well, no, I think it was last year now they, they come out with that and and all that, and they, they make a big uh, hoo-ha about it, and there you go, it's they, they, been forgotten about. Yeah, I mean, they're very, they're very, they're very good at the racism part of this. <laughs> they're very, very good at that part of it, and they do as much as any club should really do in regards to that, and when the player, you know, when the incident happened with the player, um, basically they did everything that they should have done. They offered the player, the players even to leave the field and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now the obviously the social media boycott, but the sectarian part of it is the part that I just don't think they get. And you know, you brought up the money side with UEFA. I honestly think that there's something going on there where they think we can't get rid of sectarianism fully in this club because we make a heck of a lot of money from it. And unless they are truly, and I know that's a controversial thing to say, and maybe people want to message in and argue the point against it. But, and and Celt like I said, Celtic do the same thing with the Irishness. But Celtic do it more as a positive sort of thing. That you know, if you're Irish in Birmingham, for example, or you're Irish in Chicago, or you're Irish in New York, you know, they can big up that culture. They can they can make people make money out of it. Don't get me wrong, but everyone can celebrate the culture that they're from. And even people who are, are not from that culture can celebrate in that culture for one day. Like for example, St Patrick's Day. But the Rangers thing is very different and they seem to be suffering from a different problem. Now Celtic have came out and tried to get sectarianism out of Celtic Park, which they've, I think, been largely successful with. They're trying to get the sort of paramilitary, small paramilitary part of Celtic Park away. But at least Celtic are doing something about it. I don't see the sort of same noises coming from Rangers about their widespread sectarian problem at Ibrooks. Um, and that worries me. That worries yeah. me. I mean, just um, obviously um, we we need to move on, but I, I think that that would be making a very interesting debate. But you're, you're thinking, well, if they don't learn in 2020, um, they'll never learn. Yeah. And I mean, and the main football fans in general, you know, but yeah. I mean, even as a club, I mean, that thing happened when St. Johnson just equalised. Obviously, St. Johnson mm. are happy. Now, whether it was a player or whether it was official, we know it wasn't a fan because obviously there's no fans in the ground. So even that just is even worse because it just the fans are a different kettle fish altogether because we've all been to Rangers games in the past and we've all heard the, the bile that's sung, not only from a small corner like maybe that happens at Celtic, we've heard it on mass from the from but, fans of Glad for Rangers. I, I know I know that you're saying not a fan, Matthew, but I would I would I would kiss you then and say they are fan because if you work for a football club, you automatically like that club, so you support that team. Well, and do you know what though? I think that makes it worse if you're an employee of the club though, because as a fan, okay, there's a wee bit of the, the club, I suppose, can say, well, it's the fans and they pay to get in and blah blah blah. But this came from someone who obviously works in the club, 
And it was just the, the comment was thrown out there without even thinking. And you just think, is this sort of behavior, this sort of language, this sort of attitude just ingrained in that organization? And it mm-hmm. seems to me it is. No, it is. It's a second and second thing, and I know we we don't have to do radio, and yeah, okay, we can be. I think Matthew's having some technical issues this week, um, and Scuff, but um, we'll we'll move on because um, I want to talk about the football before we get on to the football this weekend. And I hope Matthew's okay, okay, because he's went quiet now. Um, <laughs> the um, I'm calming down, Michael. Yeah, calming. yeah. The, the um, the SPFL has signed a new uh, deal, a new sponsorship deal with broadcasting partners Premier Sport to uh, to show the, the League Cup for the ne- for the next few seasons, and that's good to see because it's always good to. You can like highlight and showcase Scottish football. Um, but you said it yourself before the show when we were sort of chatting about this. I think you said it yourself. Premier Sports are one of the. I know they're not one of the big broadcasters, and I know sometimes, sometimes it can be difficult to get them or subscribe to them or whatever. But they are what they are very good at advertising Scottish football, um, and they should be commended for that. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, even though people kind of like slag them off because of the presentation and all that, but I suppose it's only broadcast that kind of cares about Scottish football and cares about cup football in Scotland as well. So, so that's I mean, quite good. You know to, what? If you have people see. like Ali McCoyst on there and you have people like Chris Sutton on there and you have people like Michael Stewart on there, I think you're on to a winner because mm-hmm. these are guys who speak their mind in a funny sort of way or they speak to their mind generally. And do you know what? How fed up are you to seeing the bland old people saying what the media think the media should say? You know, that sort of thing. When you see Ali McCoyst or Michael Stewart or Chris Sutton speak their mind, that's what we want. You know, we want a debate. Yeah. Even if even if you think they're completely wrong, it's interesting having a debate with people and debating ideas. It's not like I'm fed up with this grey area that like Sky seems to have of, you know, don't say anything too controversial. Just say what you see and all this kind of stuff. That's why Premier Sports is really interesting because when you see Sati on there or McCoyst or, you know, Michael Stewart on there, it's brilliant, brilliant TV. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stamp me on Sky Sports all because, I mean, they, they don't even care about Scottish football. I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that if Selkig and the Rangers wasn't in the league, they, they wouldn't care about Scottish football, in my opinion. But also what I would say was... It, uh, and I think I, I think I said this last week on the show, Matthew, and I, I've yet to find out, but I'm I'm sure I'm I'm right in this one. Uh, that um outside of Celtic and Rangers games this season on Sky Sports, they've only showed two of the other teams, as in I two teams that it's not playing Celtic or Rangers or they're involving in Celtic and Rangers, and that's why really embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, the only thing Sky Sports do sell about Scottish football um, very well is obviously toothpaste adverts, because when you think about it, the amount of times I've seen Chris Boyd's teeth this year, whatever he uses is obviously working. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, and also, another bit of news, you, you like the way I'm kind of moved on there, the, the, <laughs> the other bit of news I think is the European Championships, which involving Scotland, yes, and we can't wait. Um, what? No, we're not in a yeah, tournament, are we? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it came out this week that the, the, all the teams in the Euros will be allowed 26 players instead of the usual 23 players in the squad. And I think that's good to see, Matthew, but I think it's partly to go with COVID as well. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID has has an effect. And obviously, you know, there's higher chances of obviously players being out injured or, well, not injured, but being out of the squad because maybe if you're affected by COVID, you know, it's not just you, but if you're, you know, rooming with somebody or you're spending a lot of time with somebody in that squad, you know, they're out as well. So 
I think it's important to have maybe the extra. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised it's only 26. I think I could have went up to 30 just to be on the safe side. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it has drawn interesting an interesting debate around who's going to be there. And I think I was having a think about this last night, the night before. Because, like, it's, it's such a big thing. Nope. It's not a very good week for Matthew, by the way, I think, because... Um, his um, technical side is a bit kind of squirrely. My back? Yeah. Uh, yeah um, just to say as well that uh, the decision was taken on Monday and Scotland will be announcing uh, the final team to go in the European Championships in the middle of May but also they will make a, a final decision on the whole squad uh, by the end of the month, so we we should be we should know very soon, or maybe four weeks time or whatever. About, you hear about... me okay, Michael? Um, yeah, yeah, no, I can yeah. I can hear you fine now. I don't know what's going on with this. I think I think it's maybe my earphones because I'm using a different set of earphones today because my Apple ones decided to um, pack in. I think um, I, th- I think the only thing I would say there is, yeah, we can hear you here, but do not swear. <laughs> I, I, that's probably I've been close to it a few times today, but um, you know, the squad for Scotland's quite interesting because if you think about who Scotland can bring to the tournament, those extra three players make a difference. So I was thinking, you know, the goalkeepers are set. I think you've got, um, you know, you've got Marshall in goal, you've got Gordon in goal, and you've got McLaughlin in goal. So the goalkeepers are kind of set for Scotland. Uh, defensively, you know, you've got O'Donnell, Hanlon, or sorry, Hanley, Tierney and Robertson. So they're kind of set in stone as well. In midfield, McTominay, McGregor, McGinn, McLean are kind of set their, their places too. And sort of up top, uh, Christy, Armstrong, Fraser, Adams, who's came in relatively recently, and Dykes have kind of got their places set in stone as well. So then you're thinking, well, who are the three players that could come into the squad and make a difference? Um, you know, James Forrest has came back for Celtic, obviously. Um, maybe not set the world alight so much, but he's back, obviously. He's got a track record for Scotland and Celtic. And, you know, his fitness could result in a bit of a, you know, argument whether James Forrest could be somebody who fills the place. Uh, McBurney's obviously... Uh, could be within that group as well, who could look to join that squad. But then you have a raft of players who have been involved in previous squads uh, under Clark, and again could be mentioned. So Callum Patterson's one. Uh, Lee Griffiths has came back in. Uh, again, hasn't set the world on fire, but Lee Griffiths has shown in the past that you know he can score goals for fun if he's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence Shankland's uh, been involved. Oliver Burke's been involved. Johnny Russell. And obviously Kevin Nisbet, who... who has set the world on fire for Hibs this season as well, is involved. So, you know, I don't know about you. I mean, it'd be interesting to think, is there anybody you think could um, fill those places? Because I think it's a toss-up. I, I think, apart from the players I mentioned that are probably dead certs, um, the last ones are, you know, the last players to get in there, I think it could be a it could be a bit of a fight, I think, to a bun fight to see who gets in. Yeah, I would be quite interested to see who, who gets in this cog. I mean, it's, yeah, uh, it's in the lap of the, the gogs a, a wee bit, you know. Um, or Clark, <laughs> the lap of Clark. Yeah, the lap. But, I mean, I think, uh, like, if Griffiths plays from now, well, I was going to say from now till the end of the season, there's only three games left. But if he, if, he, if he plays in and he scores a few goals, he might be an outside bet because... You know, obviously he's not he's not been getting the game as well. Um, for well, um, he's he's not been picked for Scotland, but um, never mind Scotland Celtic as well. You know, so yeah, and but there's a couple of Rangers boys as well, and and obviously you might have to put in, you know, Johnson players in the mix as well because obviously they they've been doing well in. Club uh, Cup football, sorry, in Scotland. So there's there's a few different kind of uh, options as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Luke Griffiths is the one that should be taken, not because, I mean, not because he's obviously ex Hibs and I've got a soft spot for Hibs, as probably most people know. And uh, Kevin Nisbet's another one, obviously. <laughs> I, I've just named those two players, haven't I, after saying I don't have a bias. 
Just put the whole Hibs team in, and uh, it won't be called Scotland. It will be, be called Scotland, Ireland, and whatever else. That the that yeah. So that, that you know what? I'm gonna I'll level up. I mean, I do think I don't think James Forrest will make it. Uh, I think Lee Griffiths should make it just because he. I mean, you've seen. I think at Celtic he can score goals for fun when he wants to. When he's came off the bench relatively recently. I mean, even um. You know, the recent games he's came off the bench and made a difference for Celtic. So I think he could make it. Callum Patterson's one, though, I would also take. And the reason why isn't because, I mean, he can play in a variety of positions. And that's why I think you could take someone like Callum Patterson because, you know, even if you have a striker problem, he can play up there. If you have a midfield problem, Patterson can slot in there. And if you have a defensive problem, Callum Patterson can fit in there. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for an extra player who can play in any role, depending on where's needed, then... Callum Patterson's not a bad shout actually to take just because he can play anywhere that, uh, that Clark would ask him to play. But um, mm. I, th- I think Nisbet and Griffiths, if you're looking for goals, then if you have those two sniffing around the side, then goals will definitely find Scotland eventually. Okay, let's look at the weekend's football then. Um, Saturday and Sunday, just run through the games on Saturday. Um, Dundee United against Ross County, Hibs against Hibs against um, St Johnson, uh, Livingston against Aberdeen, Motherwell, Camarock, St Mullen, Hamilton, First Division, Clyde, Gumbarton, Cove Rangers. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the League One games now. Uh, Craig against Gumbarton, Cove Rangers against Airdrie, Falkirk against Mincross, and Peterhead or Peterhead against Forfa. And obviously, we've got the big game on Sunday the, the Glasgow Derby Rangers against Celtic. I don't know about you, Matthew, but I think the Hibsett Johnson game looks a really interesting game. Yeah, I mean, I think. Hibs are on the brink, obviously, of finishing third. And surely, you know, now St. Johnson have, obviously, the semi-final to take care of. Um, you would like to think Hibs still have that fight for third just to finish it off. I think they've, they've done it, give or take. But I think if, you know, Hibs can get a decent result against, um, against St. Johnson Easter Road, you would think that that would, that would definitely confirm third place. Um, and that would obviously have a knock-on effect to Europe because if Hibs then go on and win the Scottish Cup, then it just means European spaces drop down. So um, I think for Hibs, they're on the brink of something special. And you'd, you'd expect, again, if, you know, if Hibs can finish third and win a Scottish Cup, you know, does that mean Jack Ross is also in the mix for manager of the year as well, given Hibs players' budget? So uh, that is an interesting game at Easter Road. Um, and given, obviously, Hibs have done have won in the Cup recently, but also won two or and out of the last five. They've, they've only lost two of the last five. It's a decent run, but St. Johnson are also on a decent run themselves. So I think Easter Road um, is, is going to be the, the game of the weekend on paper. But I think we're all kind of looking down to the bottom uh, fixtures to see where the real interesting side is. Uh, Kilmarnock, Ross County and Hamilton. Um, Kilmarnock are obviously playing away at Motherwell. Um, Ross County are away at Dundee United. Um, and Hamilton are away at St. Mirren. So... Given that Motherwell, I think, have just pushed themselves away in recent weeks, they've won four of the last five. That has really pushed them clear of safety. And we're down to Kilmarnock, Ross County or Hamilton to go down. I think all eyes will be on those games this weekend because um, it's been it's been a roller coaster of, of emotions for all sides. You know, a, a few weeks ago, Kilmarnock looked dead and buried. Uh, a few weeks before that, Ross County did, and Hamilton have always been there or thereabouts. So, mm. um, the, the bottom of the table is just so interesting and I couldn't call where it's going to go um, because you just, I just don't know because Hamilton, you know, are on an awful run. They've lost three of the last five. Ross County have lost three of the last five. But Kilmarnock, you know, even though they, they lost uh, last weekend in the Cup, they've started to score goals again and I think that might be just the, I think Kilmarnock might just have too much. I could see them getting away uh, right at Fur Park, obviously. I could see them getting away because they can score goals now which they were struggling with at the start of the season or earlier on in the season. I think it's a straight shootout between Ross County and Hamilton. Um, I, think, I, I think as well, Matthew, that, that we said last week, wasn't it? Or, or whatever, and I say again, I don't want to kick Craig off what I said. Okay, okay, I'm going to kick Craig <laughs> off what I said. But 
you, you notice the difference with Kamal getting the other night having not having Kyle Lafferty in the team because I said to you a couple of weeks ago on the show um, about he would be the difference um, if Kamal stays up or goes down. And yet he was out of the team the other night and okay, they were winning, but they still get beaten penalties. Now, if he was playing, I think Kamal, they wouldn't make extra, um, extra time or penalties to win that game. Yeah, I think he, he will be the difference. Um... I think he's been the difference in recent weeks. You did obviously notice they weren't as good um, in the Scottish Cup. This, but the, the thing is, I suppose I did notice is they are scoring goals now, not just Lafferty. So I think the fact that he's came in and scored goals and got them rolling in that way has shaken them up a little bit and has given other players confidence to get on the score sheet. So even him just being in and around that squad has made a difference. I mean, I, I couldn't have seen the Scottish Cup scoreline um, from last week a few weeks ago because I, mm-hmm. I just don't think Kamana had that in them to get to get on the goals on the score sheet that many times. But you know, as long as Laffert is back, I mean I don't know what, what his you know estimated returns going to be actually. But when if he comes back, Kamana can definitely be safe. But I think at this point, given the confidence that they've been playing in, in recent weeks, I could see them staying up regardless, but Lafferty will make a difference. Um but I feel sorry for Hamilton and Ross County. You know, their run form hasn't been great. I think Amongst the you know the ten games that between them that they played, both of them have only won one between them. Um, so I, I can see this being a shootout between Hamilton and Ross County, and I, and I could you know this I think could be the year that Hamilton maybe drop. Um, it's a difficult task for them to go to St. Mirren. Kamarnock, you know, playing Motherwell. I, I don't know if Kamarnock can get on the score sheet. Then there's always a chance against Motherwell. But Hamilton, I feel I feel for I, I really fear for Hamilton this time around. And Ross County going to Dundee United. Well, after Dundee United's result um, at the Tawdry, you know, did you want to be going to Tannadice? Not really, so. Yeah, I was going to say, Kim, actually, I think that was a shock st- score out with the uh, Rangers and St. Johnson, the Dundee United one. I'm not saying, you know, like, because I was expecting Dundee United to win 1-0, but when you see it on paper, 3-0, and I never saw the game, but... I presume that was a, an absolute doing for, for Aberdeen, especially going up to Aberdeen. Well, Aberdeen were very, very poor now. I mean, obviously, they've got a new manager, Stephen Glass, coming in. We all kind of accepted, expected a bit of a bump in form. Um, and it's not, you know, it's it's not appeared as much as we thought. But, you know, in the league, OK, you know, they've had some interesting results. Um, I'll grant them that. But, you know, the, the Scottish Cup is a big one, especially because Rangers obviously eventually went out this Scottish Cup was complete, is completely open. So this was a big chance for Aberdeen, fourth best team in the league this year, to show their gumption and go on and do something. This was their big chance, and Dungeon United went there and blew them away. Aberdeen were absolutely awful. Dungeon United were brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a bit of a shock. I did expect Aberdeen to go through. Aberdeen did not look like the fourth best team in the country. Far from it. They looked so far off the pace. And you know what? The scary thing for Glass, I think, if we're changing the subject a little bit, but the scary thing for Glass is that if, if Scott Brown is supposedly the saviour coming into that team, going on that result, they've got a long way to go to get that squad up to shape. Now, I, I think that um, me and Matthew, um, from the beginning of the season, we always build up Rogue from game to, to be a, a highlight of the weekend. But as you said before the game, that there's not really a build up to, to the game because the season's over. The, the two teams out out all the cups now, um, and Rangers has won the league, so there's not enough. There's not a lot to um, to play for. But and saying that, say that to NSL and Rangers fans. Because they would like they they would want to get one over in the um old rivals before the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this comes down to bragging rights. You know, we're still we're, we're still at the point where you know Rangers have not lost a league game. I know they've lost two cup games, and um, Celtic fans are therefore say, well, ah, well, it's not a real invincible season. But to go through a league season invincible is a still a massive, massive achievement. Mm. Um. So I think, you know, for Rangers, they'll want to make sure that the Cup game is banished and that they show they're the best team in Scotland and that they still have that unbeaten record by the end of the season. So that's what Rangers obviously have to play for. 
for Celtic, you know, it's pure and simple. You know, this the season for Celtic's over, but it doesn't really matter. But they want to make sure that they stop Rangers having an, an invincible league season. Um, they also want to show that on their day, you know, Kennedy's came out and said this before, he thinks that Celtic on their day is still the best team in Scotland. So they want to show that they can go out there as a squad and have one last hurrah because I think, you know, the summer for Celtic is going to be a dismantling job. I, I don't think this season, this game is going to give us any indication for next season because I think while Rangers will keep the majority of their squad together, I don't think this Celtic squad will look anywhere near what it does. So I don't think this will be an indication of next year, but I think it'll be one last hurrah for this squad, one last time um, to maybe just show Rangers his boss. And that's really what it comes down to. And, uh, if, and I suppose like the last two old firm games or graphical derbies or whatever you want to call it this week, Celtic came close to beating Rangers. Yeah, I mean, they've huffed and puffed. Um, I mean, the only time I thought Rangers were completely the better team in, in this derby was, you Which know, the first game. First game, yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought the first game they were incredible and Celtic were, you know, probably at their worst because they'd just been hit by a COVID outbreak. So there mm. was reasons for that. Um, but, you know, the games after that, you know, the game at Ibrox in the league, Celtic were the better team until probably the sending off. Yeah. Uh, the game at Celtic Park in the league, Celtic were arguably the better team, but huffed and puffed. The cup game, there wasn't much in it, really. The scoreline kind of was a bit flattering. I don't think there was much in it. So, yeah, the, the, I think if Celtic performed to their best, there's not very much difference between the two of these sides. And, you know, Celtic could easily go to Ibrox and win, I think. I don't think it's completely out of the realms of possibility that Celtic could win this game. Nor do I think it's completely out of the realms of possibility that Celtic have a stinker and Rangers win the game. So it's one of these games where I don't think it matters. I think Rangers maybe have slightly more at stake, possibly. But um, yeah, because there's no fans in the ground, I think this is probably the the gate, the an old firm game that I've least looked forward to probably since I was born in 1982. Um, I just can't give up for it in any way, shape or form. It's, like you said, I think there's more interesting games at the bottom of the table involving Hamilton and Ross County. Even the game you mentioned, the Easter Road, has got more riding on it. This game probably isn't even the game of the weekend. And uh, it's quite sad to see, but um, that, that's, where, that's where we're at. That's I mean, how, how many times have we said that that the old firm game doesn't mean anything? <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, I know. And all I, that. And do you know what? Normally, I mean, okay, like normally if we were allowed in the ground, probably me and you would be going. Uh, therefore, it makes it a bit more interesting when you know you're attending the games either at Ibrox or Celtic Park and you, you get excited for going to it. So even a damp squib game like this, you'd be still excited to see your friends, to go to the game, to get an atmosphere going, all this kind of stuff. Because it's on TV and it's a nothing game, that's what I think makes this worse. That's why I think this... That's what makes this occasion not as good, do you know what I mean? I mm. think that's the difference. That I'm not excited about it because I'm not going. There's not an interest in it in the football side of things. So therefore, you know, instead I'm going to be looking forward to seeing the game at Easter Road or, you know, looking forward to Ross County and the Hamilton games. Or, you know, God forbid, I'm even looking forward to an English game this weekend, Everton Aston Villa at Goodson Park. Um, okay, um... Uh, keeping on the football theme, let's go to women's football, Matthew. Um, because you were saying to me that the fixtures has come out for for the women's football. Yeah, the fixtures May the second. Um, Borfer against Celtic is on at two o'clock. I think you can get that on a club stream. Uh, Motherwell against Rangers. That's on BBC Sports Scotland, so you can see that. Uh, Glasgow City against Spartans that's a big game you can catch that on the club stream and Hibs the big game really this weekend um, who obviously I have an interest in because I know someone who plays in the game uh, Paige McAllister for Hearts uh, I think she's number 66 so if you watch out for that even though like like I said I'm more on the Hibs side of the fence here but uh, because Paige is playing for Hearts and because obviously she's she's one of my mate's daughters um, I'm always on the lookout for Hearts so you know, it's one of these Edinburgh derbies that I don't actually mind who wins if, as long as Paige scores. She scored the winner last time, if you remember correctly. Um, you, you, you know what the headline will be? Paige, turn, Paige turns a page when she scores. 
Well, do you know what? The, the good news, I think, for Celtic fans is she might be going back to Celtic next year. She's a Celtic player. She's a Celtic pro. Uh, she's on Hearts alone. So, you know, she'll be going back to Celtic Park next year and um, hopefully she gets a, gets more of a chance. But she's been playing this year for Hearts and it's been given her game time and I think that's what she's needed. And, you know, like I said, she scored the winner against Hibs last week. Uh, or, sorry, not last week, last time out. Um, you know, and that, while she's a defender and you wouldn't expect her to do it again, you wouldn't put it past her. And, you know, Hibs are obviously uh, hoping to avenge that a little bit. So that's another important game uh, in, the, in the women's league. You know, Hibs, Hibs, you know, Hibs have had a funny season. Normally, I'd always say Hibs would be up there challenging. Um, they've, they've had a sort of mid-table sort of season. Uh, Glasgow City, you know, have been, again, outstanding. They've only lost one game, but they won 11 at 12. They, again, have been amazing. Celtic are on the coattails of Rangers in second place. So it's been an interesting sort of season up there. Um, and I think we were debating, now that Rangers and Celtic are, and, and obviously Hibs and Hearts are purely involved in women's football, we kind of thought it'd be interesting to see how Glasgow City would perform because they obviously don't have a men's equivalent um, to help them help back them up. But Glasgow City have again proven that they're the best team in the league. And given Rangers and Celtic have challenged them, it just seems to have risen them to another level again. Um, and they've been dominant in this in this league. Uh, Hearts again, I'll mention Hearts. Uh, she scored the one. Uh, Paige scored the winner for Hearts against Hearts. That's Hearts' only win of the season. So they're down rock bottom of the league. But of course, if they get another result against um, against Hibs, I think they can leapfrog Motherwell. So um, it's a big game for Hearts. Um, obviously, an Edinburgh derby is always big, but Glasgow City have just been outstanding again. And Rangers and Celtic have pushed them on to a different level. Um, and again, next season will be very interesting with Glasgow City again on top. We're Rangers and Celtic challenging. Yeah, so so that's good. Um, a bit of news this week about the Pro 14. Uh, obviously, there's no games this weekend um, involving the Rainbow Cup teams from Scotland, but you've got news about Pro, the Pro 14. Yeah, well, there's a few bits of rugby news this week, but uh, obviously the games last weekend, again, my, I don't know, since I've started the show, Michael, my predictions have been awful, mate. I don't. I, don't, I just don't know. Everything I seem to touch seems to go wrong. I, I did have both the, the Scottish sides winning last weekend. I had a fifty percent record. Uh, Edinburgh beat Zebra um, at Murrayfield twenty four eighteen. It was a young, you know, experimental side uh, for Edinburgh. So you know there was a chance that Zebra might have come into Murrayfield and done something. But Edinburgh and they were down at half time. I have to say I think Zebra were winning thirteen seven at half time. So we were thinking. You know, maybe we will have a bit of a shock and the Matthew Lingard cuss predictions is happening again. But uh, Edinburgh, thank God, came back. Uh, tries from Luke Crosby and Matt Curry uh, put Edinburgh in control. Uh, Zebra did get a losing bonus point with a Jonathan Meyer last-minute try, but it was too little too late and Edinburgh did finally get off the board in the Rainbow Cup after a you know, disappointing league campaign. Glasgow, on the other hand, did get hit by the, the Lingard curse. Uh, they were beaten by Benetton 46-19. They were losing 21-0 at halftime. They eventually did lose 46-19, so they did try and claw back a little bit. But what can we say? I mean, Glasgow Warriors have been awful this season. Um, and let's just say the heavy loss against Benetton in the first round of the Rainbow Cup didn't help. Um, you know, I think Benetton didn't manage a single win in the Pro 14 season. So, you know, even though Glasgow have been poor, we it was kind of still expected that they would go into Benetton and pick up a result. But do you know what, Michael? I'm not predicting anything else from now until the end of the season. I'm not, I'm not touching it with a barge pole. If I go and make a prediction, just say shut up because I don't want to jinx the Scottish teams any more than I have already. Um, but yeah, Glasgow got off with defeat and at least Edinburgh managed to pick up a win, but not the greatest of starts to the Rainbow Cup. Yeah, so just before we go on to speak about basketball and again another disappointing season for the uh, Glasgow Rocks, um, let me, uh, have you got your diary out, Matthew? Because we, we have got a few special shows coming up in a couple of weeks here on the locker room. Uh, me and Matthew's going to have a scale location, wherever that would be, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and um, on the... Hotel? Yeah, yeah, Bells Hill to Kilbarka, yeah. Um, <laughs> on the 28th of November, uh, 28th of November. <laughs> 20... Book it ahead, mate, book it yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
28th of May, uh, having a special show. Uh, to look at uh, an organisation called Leap Sport. They do a lot of work with um, they they do a lot of work with LGBT the LGBT community in sport. Um, so I'm going to be speaking to somebody from Leap Sport, and also in a few weeks' time as well, we're going to be speaking to um, the Observatory of Sport in Scotland. You might remember a few months ago we had uh, David Ferguson on uh, speaking about rugby. Well, David Ferguson is coming back to speak to us about the the work that they do at the Observatory of Sport in Scotland. And then also we'll have a show, hopefully, about disability sport as well. That's coming up as well. Um, so a busy few weeks for us. Even though we are not here, but work that one out if you can, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so there you go. Um, a couple of weeks for a couple of uh, shows coming up as well. Um, oh, and you've been talking about actually now that you're talking about shows and in the distance, and you mentioned November, we do actually have the fixtures for the uh, Six Nations for 2022. So you oh, can yeah, keep yeah. When I read them out, if you, okay, if you want yeah. to. Um, or if you're writing on your hand, which I was probably doing. Um, so yeah, the, the, the 2022 Six Nations uh, fixtures have been released, so the, you'll be happy to hear, I think we were talking about this last year, the 2022 competition will see the return of Friday night games. Oh, that's good, um, yeah. So Wales will host France on the 11th of March in round four, so that's a good um, Friday fixture to look forward to. And the final round, which will be dubbed Super Saturday, will take place on the 19th of March, and that will be Wales, Italy, followed by Ireland, Scotland and France, England now. Unfortunately, I won't be able to. Would you believe I do love in Ireland at times? And, you know, Ireland, Scotland's on the 19th, and I'll be devastated because I'll miss it because I won't be in Dublin. I'll be in Cheltenham uh, on the 19th of March to, or just about to leave because I'll be into the Gold Cup. So, um, sadly, I won't even get to that game. But um, I've got the pictures for you from a Scottish perspective if, you, if you're interested in, uh, obviously, the Six Nations. Saturday, the February the 5th, is the big one that we're all hoping for. Scotland against England and Murrayfield. So the Calcutta Cup will be up for grabs and Scotland will be hopefully looking to keep it. Uh, that will be on the 5th of February. Then round two, on the 13th of February, or sorry, the 12th of February, Wales against Scotland. Jumped ahead. 12th of February, we have Wales against Scotland. Uh, then the 26th of February, Scotland returned to Murrayfield, so Scotland against France. Uh, again, that's always a cracker, so we'll be looking forward to that one in the French. We'll be looking forward to come back into Edinburgh, so uh, that'll be quite good. If anyone wants a trip to Rome, Saturday the 12th of March, Italy against Scotland and Rome. So um, if you want to go and check out the delights of uh, Rome and Vatican City and all the wonders there, uh, or if you just want to walk to the stadium, have a have a um, glass of beer shoved at you every five yards, four yards, something like that, that's the place to go to. Uh, and then we finish it off on the 19th of March going to Dublin, which again, sadly, I won't be there because I'll go to Cheltenham. But uh, yeah, 19th of March, Scotland will finish up their Six Nations tournament and hopefully win the Six Nations by beating Ireland and Dublin for the first time since 2010. Now, I was at the last time Scotland beat Ireland and Dublin in 2010. Dan Parks scored a penalty or got a penalty in the last minute um, that won us a game at Croke Park. So hopefully Scotland can... Um, do that, do that again a decade later and beat the Irish in Dublin. So uh, the Six Nations will be back next year and I uh, can't wait. And it would be good to have fans back as well at the games because I think by that time, Mavia, I think um, we'll be back to full houses. Um, speaking about full houses, just quickly, um, it was good to see fans back at the snooker this week. Uh, the, uh, um, the final was coming up on Bank Oregon Monday. But unfortunately, there will be no um, people, uh, Scots taking part because John Higgins got beat in the second round. Um, of course, Graham Dot uh, never qualified for, for the tournament. But a big shout out to Anthony McGill. He, get, he just got knocked out in the quarterfinals. And um, I, I don't know if you know, but early on in the tournament, um, 
uh, Anson and McGill beat Ronnie O'Sullivan, so that was a big win for from from McGill from Scotland. But yeah, it's good to see fans back at the Crucible because obviously last year that the Crucible was on, but no fans on, and you had that fake noise coming through, and it was horrible. Um, uh, as well, but it's it's good to see full houses, and also I think they told you a few weeks ago at the final, the final will be a sellout because uh, between the first round to the semi-finals they were actually building up, um, but uh, in the final it's going to be a a a full house, or a, um, so that that will be good to see. Definitely. I mean, I, I, it's unfortunate because I knew the stuff that was on, but I was working in my, my day job, unfortunately, and um, I was doing a group. And just as I was leaving, it annoyed me because somebody said to me, and it made me jealous, I had another half a day, obviously, still to work. And I said, what are you doing after this? He goes, oh, I'm just away to watch the snooker. I was like, oh, I'm so jealous of you. Yeah. So jealous. So he got to sit at home and, you know, enjoy the, the snooker and stuff like that. And I had to go back to the office and sit and sweat with the heat in Belfast. So... Uh, but yeah, no, it's good to see fans back. I think you know the League Cup final in England. I watched that. Um, Eight thousand, yeah. Yeah, and and do you know what? Even having that amount of fans in Wembley, you wouldn't think that would make much of a difference. But having real fans making real noise rather than that, yeah, cut. Yeah, definitely, it makes a hell of a difference. And I, I think you know the Man City were just the better team that day. I think by a long shot. But you know the Spurs fans sung their heart out. Man City fans in some of the and it was like a real occasion, a real occasion again. And you know, the more fans come back in, the more I think we'll enjoy them. But the more I think we'll also never take these events for granted again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, just a bit of news as well, Matthew. We've been covering the basketball the last couple of weeks, uh, but sadly, the season is now over for the Glasgow Rocks, and it's been a, a, a bit of a disappointing season actually for the Rocks. Because as Matthews, well, I'll give you, I'll give Matthew his big moment. No, you can have it, Michael, because you okay. can never say it again twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did you say? Never say it. Right, okay. Um, okay, so the Rocks finished rock bottom of the table. Boom, boom. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm not... Sorry, gonna... guys. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, even though I say it, but it was Matthew's fault. Um <laughs> And the winner of the league was um, Leska Rhinos. Uh, if you get any Leska fans in Scotland, well done to them. But disappointing yeah. for, 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 for yeah. Glasgow Rocks. Yeah. I mean, I get why Glasgow Rocks are called Glasgow Rocks because obviously, I suppose the ball kind of resembles a rock or whatever, right? I've never seen any Rhinos in Leicester. I know. I mean, I mean, some of the names you get in basketball and ice hockey is a bit kind of daft. <laughs> and that's a, that's the most polite word I can use on the regal. <laughs> but, yeah, it seems a bit daft here. So hopefully Glasgow Rocks will have a better season next season. So there you go. Definitely. I mean, there's some horse racing news this week as well. Just, uh, just quickly, yeah. I know you're sick off for time. No, yeah. I bother. Sorry. They're, they're doing, would you believe, um, racing is now, I think, to launch the 10th anniversary of the British Champion Series, um, which I'm hoping to go to, actually, in Ascot in October, the, the last race. Um, but to sort of celebrate the 10th anniversary of this, uh, the first official Hall of Fame for British flat racing mm-hmm. uh, is set to start. So um, we were all looking forward to see who would be in that first um, Hall of Fame. And the legendary racehorse Franco and the record-breaking jockey Lester Piggott have been announced as the first two inductees uh, for the Racing Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, Piggott is now aged 85, I think, and I don't think he lives in the UK now. He lives in Europe somewhere. He, uh, you know, he was involved in winning 30 British Classic races in a career which uh, yielded 4,493 winners. So, you know, he's, you know, it's just some, he's some jockey and he's very, very um, successful and he very much deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, although, you know, he did have to, you know, I think he's had his ups and downs, you know, I think he did serve a prison sentence possibly for tax offences, but, um, 
you know, he did, he did, he was very successful in the horse racing side of things. So well done, Tan. And Franco, you know, Franco was one of the greatest, um, you know, Franco was one of the greatest horse racing, race horses of all time. Um, he won all 14 of his races, including, you know, a blast from 2000 Guineas win. That was about 10 years ago. So, you know, Franco definitely deserves a place as one of the greatest race horses of all time. And Lester Pickett's obviously been one of the greatest jockeys. So those two are in the inaugural Hall of Fame. Um, uh, well done to them both. Yep. So thanks for listening to the show. And um, we'll see you again next week here on Indie Live Radio. Have Happy a good day. weekend. Bye.